Morning, y'all. Many of you guys know um, we experienced a, a great loss uh, this last week with the loss of Mike Baker. And uh, he was, as a matter of fact, if at some point today you want to pray, you'll be praying on altar rails made by Mike Baker. And that's pretty cool. Uh, it's just, it's been a hit to our family. Uh, it's been a hit to Judy and her family. And man, I just, um, first off, I want to thank you guys for the way you've responded, uh, just with grace and with determination and just, um, Judy's not in here, so I don't mind embarrassing her. The hope that's present in her right now is something that is world-changing. And it doesn't make sense. It's like, and, and you know, people always, it's hard, guys, at times like this to know what to do or what to say. And we tend to want to make sense out of things, right? That's our, that's our desire. And we tend to want to make sense out of everything. And, and sometimes I just believe that God created a world where things like that weren't supposed to happen, where people didn't die, where life was forever. And what we're experiencing in this world is just brokenness. And so I, I can't make sense out of everything. Sometimes the world is just broken and it's just, it sucks real bad. And I don't know how to make good sense out of those things. It's just the world we live in. But I know this and I believe this and everything I have is bound together in this. That this is not my forever reality. That, 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 there's, that there's something beyond this. That there's something beyond this moment, there's something beyond this day, and there's something beyond death in this world that the world can never take away. And so I believe that, and Judy believes that, and Mike believed that. And so, like, I, I was questioning last night and this morning, I was like, man, do I want to talk? Do I want to preach today? And then I was like, yeah, because I'm going to talk about winsome. Because the only thing that we can do in a situation like this is learn from a man who was winsome and be winsome ourselves. That dude won people. And his wife right now and his family are living in a way that will win people in spite of gut-wrenching tragedy. They are living in a winsome way. And so we must be reminded of the power of how we respond. And so today, we're going to talk about being winsome. Uh, because we are Christ ambassadors in this world and every single thing we do matters. There's a verse in the Bible, and, and like I didn't understand it for a long time, like many verses in the Bible. And some of them kind of sound harsh and cold, but... Like, the more I know Jesus, the more I realize it's not. There's a passage, and maybe it's in Leviticus, and I'm going to paraphrase it. One of you Bible scholars may know better than me. But it basically says it's, sometimes it's better to go to a funeral than a party. And I think the reason is because sometimes we must stop and remember the fragility of life. And like, guys, I, I may walk out of this room today, and this day may be my last. So what I do in this moment better matter. And no greater love has anyone than to lay down their life for their friends. And we can do that with every single moment of our life because every moment of our life is writing the story that someone else will tell. So it matters. So winsome. Um, we're talking about it. And today it's even more appropriate than, than normal because uh, this is Memorial Day weekend. And many people don't know this, and I didn't know this. I was actually uh, corrected a, a few years ago by, by a guy who was a veteran. And he said, you don't say Happy Memorial Day. You know why you don't say happy Memorial Day? Because it's not a happy day. Memorial Day is not, a, it's not, it's not it's the 4th of July or your birthday. Those are things you say happy. Memorial Day is a day where we remember people who died. We remember people who gave their lives for their country. And so that's not like a happy thing. 
But sometimes even though something's not happy, it's still worthy of stopping and remembering because it has an impact on your life. And so when we remember Memorial Day, we talk about, you know, we remember the pain of war and we remember uh, the, the price that people paid so that there would be peace. And, and there's so many incredible things we can take away. But just because it's not happy doesn't mean it should be avoided. If you've known me for any length of time, you will probably, I got a friend from ninth grade, he'll vouch for this for me. Most of my life was spent avoiding things that weren't fun. Like, really? I mean, that, that was my life. If it wasn't fun, I wasn't interested in it. I had no desire to embrace anything that wasn't fun, and I would decide whether or not you were worthy of my time by how fun you were. And so some of you would have made the cut. But it's like, it's like I mean, really, like, fun, if it wasn't fun, I wasn't interested. And Memorial Day is not fun. But it doesn't mean we, we, can't, we, have, we have to stop and learn something from it. And in becoming winsome, in living this winsome life, there may be some moments where we have to embrace some things that aren't fun. We have to remember some things that aren't fun so that we might live in a manner worthy of being remembered. But some of the things we have to remember and embrace to live this winsome life are a little painful. And so today I'm going to talk about some things that I think we need to remember to live winsome. And the first thing we need to remember is this. We need to remember who we were. We need to remember who we were before we knew Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.16, this is Paul writing, and he says, From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled. Reconciled means brought back. Who brought back to himself his people through Christ. And he gave us a ministry of reconciliation that God wants that God was reconciling, God was bringing back the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, come back to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God so that we might become the righteousness of God. Can you imagine that? So that I, I know the truth about me. Some of you know some of the truth about me. Some of you know more of the truth about me. But in spite of everything you've ever known, in spite of everything I know about me, that I might become the righteousness of God for the world to see. Like that that gets to be my story. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful. Since from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't see people the way the world sees people. We see the potential, the power of God in people. We don't just write people off. We don't say that person's useless. We see the potential of the power of God inside of people because we don't see people the way the world sees people. We need to remember who we were apart from him. Like, the, 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 there's an old me, and that old me is gone, he's dead, and there's a new creation here. But the new creation, better not forget the old creation. The old creation might try to creep back in. And I know who I was apart from God. I know the perversion of my heart apart from God. I know the prejudice in my life apart from God. I know the desires. I know all the things that I am apart from God. And the problem is, if I don't remember who I really was, I'll start to judge you for who you really are. 
But if I remember who I really was, it becomes easier to love them for who they really are. If I remember who I really was, it becomes easier to love them for who they really are. And who's the them? Who's your them? I don't know. Everyone's got a them. Your neighbor? Maybe your neighbor's your them. Maybe those people over there are your them. Maybe they, they, whatever. We've all got a them. But it becomes easier to love them for who they are when you remember who you really were. And Paul says, in another one of his writings, he says, I forget about the past. He doesn't mean literally erase the past from your mind. Otherwise, what he wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15 says, he says, here's a trustworthy saying. I love it when he starts with it. Here, trust me. Most of the time when someone says that, I don't trust them. But this time, I'm going to buy it. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. I said that in 8.30 and, and a guy who he amens, he said, amen. And I was like, are you talking about me or you? I was a little, I was a little vexed on that one. <laughs> but either way, I, I, don't think, I don't think that at this point in Paul's life, Paul has like, he's, he's renounced his old life. He's given his life to Jesus. I don't think Paul really believes at this point in his life he is the worst of all sinners. I think at this point in Paul's life, Paul believes he is a saint, restored by the power of God, created for purpose and passion. I think that's what Paul believes. But Paul never forgets who he was. And apart from Christ, he was the worst of the sinners. And apart from Christ, he was all of those things. And you don't remember your past so that you're a slave to it. You remember it so that you'll stay free in the future. But if you don't remember who you were, you'll judge people for who they are. And the only difference between you and them is the grace of Jesus Christ. Sometimes, and I've said this before, but... Uh, Sometimes the church is a lot like a room full of people who used to smoke. You know, and they're like, they, they, they used to smoke and now they don't. And so everyone who still smokes like, oh my gosh, you smell like cigarette smoke. And you're like, well, you just bummed a cigarette from me three days ago. <laughs> and this is why people think we're hypocrites. Because we walk around like ex-smokers, acting like all the other smokers. are. Oh my gosh, they're like, really? J just days ago, you were bumming a cigarette. And so we have to remember the only difference between us and someone who's still dealing with sin or dealing with habits or doing, is, is just the grace of God. It's not me. It's nothing I did. He died on a cross so that I might be free. And certainly don't be that person who's like, I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. And then you bum from somebody and you're not buying them anymore. You're just now bumming from people. Don't be that guy either. That doesn't really have anything to do with the message, but I do think it's an important tool for life. <laughs> <laughs> right? Too far? All right, you're right, you're right. I'm just saying, that guy's annoying. And then you keep the lighter. So let's just, let's just keep moving here. That's number one. <laughs> I like y'all, y'all like, I know he's right. Some churches, they wouldn't admit it. Uh, I'll just keep moving. The next one, oh, this is good. To live winsome, you have to remember this, that God loves them as much as he loves you. I don't know who your them is. But God loves them as much as God loves you. Let's tell another fun Jesus story today. Luke 15, this is some good stuff. Um, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. That's a good start. Something's about to happen. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, so you got the tax collectors and sinners, and they're going... And then the, teach, you know, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, and the, now they're doing this. 
And they all gather around and says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Oh, y'all know what muttering is? Let, let, let's just demonstrate a mutter real quick. Here's what I want us all to do. I want us all to, under our breath, but audibly, just complain about something. You ready on the count of three? One, two, three. I'm just so stupid, the air conditioning. Some of y'all aren't doing it. I know y'all know how to do this. Because right, we were like, oh, Kelly, your dress is so cute. Oh, she looks so trashy. And we all, we, all know, we all know how to do this. That's muttering, right? right? We all know it. And so that's what's going on. We're all good at this. Right? We know how to mutter. They're muttering. I love it. A room full of muttering. And Jesus hears it because he's Jesus and because they were muttering out loud. And so... In verse 3, it says, Then Jesus, then Jesus told them a parable. Don't you love this? I got a story for y'all. Suppose one of you mutters, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he lead the 99 in the open country and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not know they need to. Yes, 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 I love that passage. That's so good. He's like, guys, here's the deal. I love you, but I love them too. And I have been the one who was, I have been the lost sheep, and so have many of you. But I've also been one of the 99. I've been the one who was lost, and I've been the one who was muttering about the loss. And one of those I need to repent about. I've been the one who was lost. And, and the reason there's more rejoicing is because we should all be rejoicing together when a lost sheep is found. We don't rejoice when a lost sheep stays lost. We don't rejoice when sinful people and terrible things say, we rejoice when lost sheep come home. Because we know what it's like to be lost. And because we refuse to stand around and mutter in the presence of a God who gave his life to save us. And then Jesus is like, if you didn't get that, let me tell you another story. I don't have this one on the screen. You can look it up and trust me. He says, say you've got ten coins and you lose one. Wouldn't you turn the whole house upside down to go after that one coin? He said, that's the way I feel. I love you. And, and you're, 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 most of you probably at this point, you're one of the nine. You're one of the nine coins that belongs to Jesus, and he loves you so much. And I'm one of the nine coins. I used to be a sinner separated from God, but now I belong to him. I still have sin in my life, but I don't wear the name sin because I don't belong to it. I wear the name Christ because that's, that's my master now. I'm one of the nine, but I was one of the one. And the nine better not ever forget what it was like to be one of the one and that he loves the one as much as he loves the nine. And then Jesus is like, maybe y'all still don't get it. So he tells a third story about the prodigal son. And this is a good one. He says, all right, listen, there was this kid. And he comes to his dad, and he says, Dad, give me a bunch of money. Give me, give me all my inheritance, which is basically in this point in time saying, Dad, you're dead to me. I don't care about you anymore. Give me, give me, give me everything. And so the dad gives the kid the inheritance, and he goes, he like goes to a casino, and he and doesn't even make smart bets. He bets on red just every time, no matter what. And he loses all his money, and he's got like prostitutes and drugs and all these things and he's just losing his way in life and he ends up broke and alone and lost and so he comes home to the father and he's coming down the road that walk of shame 
walking down the road, and the father sees him, and the father runs to him, and the father lifts him up and hugs him. And he says, son, welcome home. I've reserved the best room for you. We're about to have the greatest meal you've ever seen. Here's a coat. Here's, here's my ring. Here's everything. And while this is happening, there's another son, and he's watching. In verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and said, What's going on? The servant said, Your brother's come home, and your father has killed a fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've done all these things for you. I never disobeyed you, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes, he comes home and you kill the fatted calf? My son, the father said, you are always with me. and Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. And I read that man and I said, I've been the son that walked away. And I've been the son that stayed home. Am I the kind of son that the lost son wants to come home to? Am I the kind of son? Because I belong to the father. I'm, I'm in the father's house and I will never ever be separated from my father. But am I the kind of son that a lost son wants to come back to? Am I the kind of coin that a lost coin wants to return to? Am I one of the 99 sheep that would actually draw a lost sheep back? Or am I one who will sit around and mutter about the way they're living? We have to get this right. Because God loves them as much as he loves us. And we get this side, we begin to think it's us versus them. And we're in this culture war against all. No, no, he loves them. He loves them. And there should be rejoicing when they return. And there should be weeping when they are lost. Because that's what winsome looks like in a broken world. The final thing I'll tell you is this. Man, I realize this more and more every day. We need to remember what we truly have to offer the world. And the only thing of any value I have to offer this world is Jesus Christ. That's the only thing of any value I have to offer this world. Guys, what I have seen uh, this last week, what I have seen this last 18 months, uh, some of the things that, that, that have happened, like people won't heal from this because of your political opinion. And people won't heal from, from losing loved ones because of your opinion on whoever. They will heal because of Jesus Christ. And they may not, they're not going to forget. And a certain level of pain may never go away. But people will be able to live their life in a way that wins people for the kingdom because they have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that is the most important thing we have to offer the world. And there should be a sense of urgency because life is fragile. And we have no idea what the next day is going to bring. And so if everything in you right now is not crying out for the next person to know Jesus Christ, then something has gone wrong inside of you and me. And we should repent. Because what the world needs is not our opinion, not our anger, and not even our political persuasions. What the world needs is Christ through us, and anything that's blocking that needs to get out of the way. The only thing of any value I will have to leave my kids, or to offer my spouse, or to offer you, is Jesus Christ. And there's just nothing else. And the more pain I see, 
the more power and potential I see in being unlocked through Christ. He is the solution to every problem. And if anything is standing between you and that, it's time to let it go.